0: Hey, Profs. Welcome on in. My name's Rob Lightfoot, proud two-time alum at Rick Edelman College of Communication, Class of 2000-2001. This is Beyond the Brown and Gold.
1: I'm Jessica Kennedy. I'm the co-host here, also a two-time proud Rowan alum, Class of 2008 from the Rick Edelman College of Communication and Creative Arts, and 2015 from the College of Education. Thanks so much for joining us today.
0: Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM presents Beyond the Brown and Gold, a show that highlights the lives and memories of Glassboro State and Rowan University alumni. Now, here are your hosts, Rob Lightfoot and Jessica Kennedy. Welcome to Beyond the Brown and Gold. Today we're talking with 2015 alum, which wasn't so long ago, Chris Wilczewski, who has this amazing new business after years of years, by the way, of being on American Ninja Warrior.
1: Yeah, pretty impressive fella. Really, really just a unique story about how he got into the ninja world, what he did with his Rowan degree to make his passion and turn it into a career, and what he does when he's not not ninja-ing.
0: Yeah, which, which I mean, if you if I were a ninja, I'd be ninja all the time anyway.
1: Would you? Yeah. I don't think you would. You're
0: probably right, I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he's taken field day to an extreme level and we had a great conversation with him. So here is 2015 alum Chris Wilczewski.
1: First up was one of our most experienced athletes, Chris Wilczewski. Ah! Last year, he made it up the Mega one. Tonight, he had it Thank you so much for coming in today. You said it's been a little bit of time since you've been on campus,
2: right? Yeah, it's been uh, been a few years since I've walked around the campus. So it was nice being back and just like kind of having all these like memories and feelings coming back.
1: What was the biggest surprise you saw? Because campus has changed even a in twenty fifteen you graduated, so it's it's not hasn't been that long, but in Rowan time it's been
2: <laughs> Oh, there's so much development happening here, yeah. Yeah. It's really cool to see like the campus kinda of, like alive and growing. There's like so many new buildings and everything looks really clean and polished and it's uh just really nice being back in this environment and seeing how much has changed. It's awesome for the university.
1: And you're a college of business alum.
2: I am a college of business alumni. It's actually funny. Um I, I was asked the other day, you know, when I graduated and I couldn't answer. I was like sometime in like t- between 2010 and 2020, wow. and somewhere there. It's just, yeah, yeah it's, I'm not great with dates. And uh, uh, I, I sometimes joke with my wife that I just have too much information up there for like the business <laughs> or other uh-huh. things that like there's just like certain pieces of information that I just forget. Um, and yeah, you know, that's when I graduated is one of them. <laughs> well, one of the things that we ask a lot of folks on the show
0: is their journey to row and how they found out about it. So your, your connection with us, Tell us about sort of how you came to Rowan. Did you have family members that came here before? We have a lot of legacy families that come Yeah,
2: so I, I did. My uh, my mother actually got her master's here in education uh, back when it was uh, Glassboro State College. She really liked her experience uh, here, and she kind of encouraged me to... Uh, to to check it out cuz she she liked it here thought that it was a great school a great university and um, great people here.
1: I think I read that you commuted here. So where did you grow up? Where were you you were local?
2: Yeah, so uh, I commuted here. I lived in uh, Mount Laurel, New Jersey. Okay. Probably like 30 40 minutes north of here and uh, the commute really wasn't wasn't too bad. It depends on the time of the day. There are certain times of day where yeah, you you up. hit yeah, <laughs> you hit quite a bit of traffic. Yeah. And then there's a little bit of finessing to try to get to class on time. I do remember remember that. There's just a couple parking issues, right? (laughs) Yep, exactly. (laughs) Which is really for a business guy, you know. You you covered up
0: that school covered up most of parking lot A, which back in the day for you know us old heads was pretty much the largest parking lot. That was the big commuter lot. That was the big commuter lot for. us So that's probably
1: where you were parking. Is now a beautiful building. So were you a traditional student? Um, Did you come like straight from high school?
2: No, so I I bounced around a little bit. It was um, when I first graduated high school, I actually went to St. Joe's University for two years in the city and then I just kind of like Go woke walks. My woke, sister went
1: there. so <laughs>
2: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a fine university, but I just kind of like, you know, woke up and was like, you know, this is a great university, but it's, it's not for me. And it's not really like fitting my needs at the time. I ended up taking some time and going to BCC at the time, figuring out more exactly like what my path was going to be. And then from there, then I made the jump to, to Rowan, which really, really made sense for me. It was really a great decision because the support that I found here was just like incredible in terms of like growing my businesses and figuring out exactly what the next steps were for certain things. And I feel like I didn't really get that intimate level support at the other university that I was at. So,
0: When you decided to come into the business world. Was that something that you had in mind initially? Like was business the spot that you were going to land or you just sort of found your way through that that process?
2: I always felt like I was kind of connected with business. Like I feel like I really like the the numbers and the and the marketing and like the data analytics that go into like driving a successful business. But I feel like I was always a little bit concerned about like the cutthroat aspect of it um, because it really is like dog eat dog in, in the business world and it can be a really tough environment to, to be in and to push to be successful. And that doesn't necessarily fit my more laid back personality type. But I feel like, you know, through my experiences, I, I learned that you can still, you know, deliver a great product and just focus, you know, primarily on doing the best that you can and offering the best that you can. It doesn't necessarily need to be as cutthroat. And it can be, uh, you know, a very... Um, Fulfilling environment to be in, and um, you know, when I kind of made those connections, it, it you know just naturally clicked. All the things that I liked about it—delivering clear marketing messages and using data analytics to grow—like it just all kind of like came together. It was like, oh yeah, this is this is great. I'm just going to keep doing it and enjoying the aspects that I like.
1: Were there any professors or mentors you had while you were here that like really stand out as helping you along that process?
2: yeah so there there were really two that um, that, that really stood out and all, all my professors were were great and uh, really helped me kind of learn, but there, there were two that uh, really helped me understand what I needed to do as as a business owner to kind of platform what I was doing. And at the time, I was really like new to the business world and uh, kind of coming in with this, ninja background this obstacle background it's like i was part of this like new and developing and growing sport that didn't really have like a framework per se for like what does success look like in this industry it was very challenging but but these two particular professors they they, they really helped me kind of draw the lines or make the connections between what exists already and like what different frameworks are set up to drive business success and how you could take something that's new and budding and kind of fit it into those different frameworks and you know really deliver a, a great service with with the company. So the uh, primary professor that I'm, I'm I'm thinking of is Renee Watson, and she uh, always did a lot of stuff with like local businesses and um, figuring out different marketing channels for them and different ways to. Uh, present their products and to get their message out there which was a a big thing for me early on because it it was so new and it was like okay like we have this really cool new sport that has a lot of nuances to it how do we take that message and you know get it in front of the public they're like hey this is something that you could do no different than soccer basketball football um, and you can participate in this and and she really helped with like the marketing plan and strategy for getting that information out there. And then uh, another professor that stands out, he's gonna have to forgive me, I can't uh, pronounce his name properly, but he was the entrepreneur professor and he was so great at like taking like innovation and teaching people how to like be innovative or maybe not necessarily be innovative, but to, to see how you can take a product or a service and really differentiate it. And make it appropriate for whatever your target market is. And uh, the class was really cool because it was all about trying to explore, you know, kind of like these niche areas where it's just like, oh, like, you know, what creates like a good product that doesn't exist already? Like, how do you, you know, take that creativity and innovation and like turn it into something that's marketable, that's sellable? For me, uh, it really connected because. I'm in this new industry that's budding and trying to become something. and and, and there's, you know, some past history that we could pull from because, uh, you know, I competed on the obstacle TV show, American Ninja Warrior. And no, they, he
0: didn't. We knew that
2: <laughs> a couple times. It's kind of a, a couple, big yeah. deal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was gonna say you too. No. Yeah. Uh. I
1: was on at season one, but I was too good,
2: so yeah. The they did, they didn't want to show you to make everybody else. Look. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. But no, like I, I, you know, there there was some structure there, but that structure doesn't necessarily fit a mainstream population. The average person can't go out and do the things that people are doing on this competitive show. So with the the entrepreneurship class, it's all about innovation. It's like, okay, well, how do you take this thing that exists and, and turn it into something that could fit uh, a wider base? And um, I think that that was really instrumental in you know what I was looking at from like a, a league perspective because I run at like an obstacle course league now, and kind of taking that mindset and being like, okay, well, how do I take this uh, sport that I really enjoy at you know the highest level of uh, competition? and adapt it so that it's new and innovative and works for a more wide stream base. It's like, how do you get kids involved and how do you get uh, you know, your average person involved in this? And uh, I think that that flexibility and creativity and his guidance really really helped me to kind of see that and to, to create something that was able to grow and, and flourish.
0: I was a fluffier kid. I'm still like, I still like a nice piece of pizza and a donut, right? Don't we all? He doesn't eat
1: anything green. I know. I don't eat
0: anything green and healthy. I'd probably be a model in a magazine if I actually ate better. (laughs) Um, Not really. But you you come up with this idea for this this ninja competition. Were you a natural athlete in high school or growing up? Or did like the business plan come first, then the idea? Or did you already have like this athletic sort of idea that you wanted to create something around that?
2: I definitely played a lot of sports growing up. My success in in athletics varied widely. When I was uh, younger, I was a I was a solid basketball player because I was close to six foot in like fifth grade. So I naturally I was uh, just yeah. taller than everybody, and then I stopped growing. So then it uh, I you stopped know stopped growing
1: it. too. But at four eleven, <laughs> so some of us yeah, some of us get high um, some of us don't
2: yeah no it's it, it's how it goes and uh unfortunately uh you know my basketball career was was stunted <laughs> with my high growth you know I, I i didn't necessarily find you know success in traditional athletics but the the obstacle stuff really resonated with me and um when i first went out to compete it was such a new thing there wasn't really like discipline to practice when it when it comes to this or It was more pulling from other disciplines, whether it's gymnastics, rock climbing, slacklining, parkour, and kind of taking this like smorgasbord of athletics and piecing it together into this really challenging obstacle course. All those little kind of like nuance or alternative fitness regiments um, were things that like appealed to me. So like I I was a rock climber, I did practice parkour for a while. Um, I was familiar with a lot of gymnastics training it was really a natural fit for me to, to go into that. And, uh, I was lucky enough to find success in, in, you know, my first national competition with American Ninja Warrior. I, I placed in, you know, the top athletes and was like, oh, this is, this is really cool. Where else does this go? And I, you know, quickly found out that like, there wasn't like a strong framework under it because it was so, so new and it's, um, you know the the primary driver was was this you know TV show. When I figured that out, I I really saw like an opening because I was like, well, I want to do more of this, and I think that this should be more accessible to people because it's an awesome experience. How do we get more of this? And and I guess part of it might have been selfishly driven because you know I wanted to experience more of it, but then at the same time, I also wanted to get more people involved because I thought that it was just like so cool that you know more people should try to experience this and. Yeah, that's really where the uh, you know, idea for the the businesses came about. Is like just enjoying the competitive aspect myself and figuring out how do we get more people involved in that.
0: You got to be wired a little differently, right? Because Jess and I <laughs> watch it on television, and I don't know about you. I don't want to speak for you, but I have you can. no, I, like. I have no interest in doing it. I mean,
1: that. maybe okay. So maybe sure, if I was like by my not on national TV competing, but I would maybe like to try it. Just for fun. I have – so I have a one-year-old who's, like, super energetic and active and, like, nutty. And I'm like, I could see him doing that someday because he's constantly, like, jumping off of things and throwing himself everywhere. And I'm like, this seems like maybe that would be a good fit for you. So was that the kind of kid you were, like, when you got into it? Was your family like, oh, that makes sense. Chris always was kind of, like, adventurous and –
2: yeah, energetic. definitely. I definitely spent a lot of time um, like running, jumping, playing, e- enjoyed you know spending hours on the playground as a kid. So it, it really was kind of like a natural transition for me, and I don't think anybody was surprised when they're like, oh, Chris is doing that obstacle TV show. It's like, oh, yeah, of, of course he is.
1: So how does one do that obstacle TV show? How do you go from... You know, because you were doing it at the same time you were at Rowan, right? Were you doing it simultaneously? Yeah,
2: I, I, I was. And um, there was uh, a few times where I had to reach out to, to my professors and be like, so I'm going to miss class on Thursday because <laughs> I'm filming this TV show. And they're like, what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was really grateful that, uh, you know, they were always accommodating, figured out ways to, uh, you know, make sure that I didn't miss any work and that I stayed caught up. and um yeah, get getting involved, you know, early on. Um, I guess even even today is is really all about the uh, the casting process. Um, so at the at the end of the day, like they are producing a, a television series and they want people on the television series that um, you know fit a certain profile that they can market to people um, because at the end of the day, they're they are a business and they're trying to uh, you know drive success in terms of marketing dollars. So what they would do is they would have us create these. Videos that kind of like you know showcase who you were, your your personality, and uh, how do you come across on camera? Are you able to you know form a sentence uh, without stuttering or? Just creating like you know gaps or weird comments or whatever, and uh, they've already
0: failed the screening process. By (laughs) the way, (laughs) it feels like an audition for the real world. Yeah, well,
2: it's very similar, and like the application process is similar, and sometimes done by a a similar casting company. And of course, like they want to see your athletic skill in there too to make sure that you're you're successful. And I, I personally feel like I was really lucky because early on, the casting process was a little less intense. It was a little bit easier to get by because the show wasn't as big. It was smaller. It was on you know less or no network, G four, and I was able to kind of get in on the ground floor. Whereas today, because it's blown up so much, there's so many people that are applying, there's so many different athletes out there that really kind of fit their their, their mold. I don't even know if I would get selected any like, you know, today. And I I got lucky because I got in and they were able to profile me as one of their athletes, kinda of going going up through it. Um, so I kind of became a household name, so it made it easier for me to come back even if I didn't necessarily have the same charisma as some of the, the athletes that were, were applying just because they've kind of already built my character on the show. So I, I feel like I got lucky in, in, in a number of ways because I, I was you know involved so early on. Talk to us about like where your mind is yeah, when you're right at that starting point.
0: Because there's
1: like physical prep, right, but I imagine there's mental prep. Mental prep. prep. Yeah. You,
0: you, you, I mean, like, when you're going through the obstacle course itself, it's just got to be a mental like gymnasium itself.
2: Yeah, no, that's a a really good point. And the uh, the you know, the primary format for American Ninja Warrior is you know if you fall on one of these obstacles, like you're done, like that's it, go home. And it's like so bizarre because like I would compare it to like I don't know playing a basketball game, and if you go down the court and you miss a three pointer, it's like okay, cool, that's it, your season's over. See you later. It's like it, it it's crazy. In terms of like the perfection that you need to really go through and hit all these obstacles, and some people would compare it to like gymnastics, where it's like you have your routine and like you need to hit your routine perfectly uh, in order to like you know get the highest score and make sure that you, you know, nail all your flips and all those different things that go into it. But it's so different because you need this adaptability because you have no idea what you're gonna do in terms of the obstacles, like. Uh, Most people don't realize that we have no idea until we show up on set. uh, You know what exactly they're going to have us do. Oh wow! So you you have to prep for like a whole range of things. Wow! I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. I thought
1: that you like went in knowing like okay this is going to be the course and this is what I'm going to be prepping for. So
2: you have you have no idea until you get there, and then it's like okay, well now's you know your time to like look through it, and you don't get to practice it. You don't get to touch anything. You're just looking at it and then trying to figure out the mechanics in your head. So there's a lot of mental pressure that kind of goes into one, your prep work going into it, because you need to make sure that you cover everything, uh, because you don't want to, you know, get to an exam and be like, oh, I I didn't study that question. Or, you know, you don't want to get to the course and be like, well, I've never done that. How am I going to do that? So you have to really cover this really wide scope. And then uh, when you get there, just thinking through like, okay, well, how do I execute this perfectly on, you know, national television? And if I don't, and that's it. I get to go home and, uh, you know, think about how I didn't do very well. And, uh, you know, it's very challenging uh, from a competitor aspect because every year you, you fail at some point, you you miss an obstacle at some point, and you kind of like prep yourself for that, but like kind of like mentally prepare yourself for like, okay, like I'm going to fail at some point. So, you know, do the best you can, but it's still, it still hits hard when you don't perform to like yeah. your expectation. And I think that a lot of the sport kind of early on was like learning how to deal with that failure and trying to set realistic goals or expectations for yourself so that you can be happy with your success regardless of when you ended up falling in the water.
1: I've watched some of the videos of you and it looks like every time you get to a new obstacle, you, it looks like you like brace yourself almost a little bit. Like you like center yourself and you're like, okay, I'm going. Because like, I don't know, I I don't have a lot of familiarity with the sport, so watching was really fun for me. But it, it looks like you're, like, taking your time to, like, think, like, okay, I need a minute. I'm not a minute. You don't have minutes. But, you know, like, <laughs> but, when you're no, taking some you're time right. to yeah, you center gotta, yourself yeah. to, like, really go because you kind of got to, like, really focus on what the, just the next is. Is the goal, like, just get let's get through this next obstacle? Or are you thinking, like, I have to get through the whole thing? Or is it, like, one at a time kind of?
2: No, you're you're 100% right. So in no matter how much training and preparation you do, it can't really, like, fully put you in that same experience where your your heart rate's elevated, you have all the TV cameras on you, uh, the audience is watching you, and you need to be perfect. And you, you just can't prepare yourself for that. So what happens a lot of times when athletes get out there is their heart rate spikes, they, you know... Start kind of like moving more sporadically, and they're not My really control sp- spiking now. It's <laughs> <laughs>
0: getting, getting really about stressed about it. out. Yeah. Well, yeah, it,
2: it, it's like that, and it's like you're you're out there and trying to do these really uh controlled, delicate movements, and if your body's not reacting right because you're over over energized, then you, you're going to have a problem. So you're right. In, in between every obstacle, I would try to kind of like gather myself and bring myself back down because I like. I know that every time I step off of previous obstacle, like my heart rate's like, boom. Yeah. Cause like, I just like, okay, oh, yeah, I got that one. And like, I, like I, early on, I was like, Must all right, be exciting. Yeah. It's, it's, it's exciting, but also like you have to kind of control it a little bit to make sure that you don't get too far ahead of yourself.
1: Do you do any kind of like uh, chill activities? Like, do you meditate, yoga? Like, is there like a softer side of the athletic side that like kind of centers you in those times or yeah. what do you do to manage all that? Yes. Imagine there's like anxiety and stress involved in in the whole thing. What do you do to manage that?
2: Yeah, there's there there's definitely a, a lot of uh, anxiety and and stress that goes into it because you do have this expectation of being perfect. And uh, I would say that earlier on in my ninja career, I did not manage it as well um, because I was just like, go go go, wanted to like you know attack the obstacles and was like overly excited and just like all of it was just kind of like this really balled up energy for for the sport. And I think as I as I got older, I um, learned to kind of mellow that out and try to relax more. And, uh, you know, focused, I I focused a lot of my later years, like my effort on like, the prep, because at at the end of the day, it's like, I kind of recognize that like, I'm not going to be perfect. And it's, you know, there's going to be seasons where I don't get to leave everything out on the course. Um, you know, like with a basketball game or a football game, it's like, you, like every game you can leave everything out on the field. It's like you can give it 100% because you just get to keep going after like, okay, you have a bad play, then you can come back harder to the next play. Um, with Ninja, it's like you, if you have a bad obstacle, like you usually end up in the water and like that's it. So like it doesn't have the same concept of like being able to like leave it all on the course. Um, so I kind of like recognize that I needed to do that earlier, so I did a lot of training and preparation and saying like, okay, like this is my way of leaving it all out there. It's like I'm gonna do everything that I can to prep and then whatever the results are, they're what they are.
1: Tell us how you turned your ninja experience into a a business and a career for yourself.
2: Yeah, so it really started um, here here at Rowan because at the, the time that I was coming to Rowan, I was uh, creating a a gym where we housed obstacles that you know you would see on the on the TV show and um, figuring out ways to kind of take what they were doing there and you know turn it into more of like a a business model. And really, like the the preliminary stages of it were kind of like, Setting up the framework for the entire industry because at the time there was no gyms like this, there was no facilities like this. Like if you wanted to get like that level of obstacle experience, you either did the TV show or that was it. Okay. What I did was I tried to take some of that experience and kind of bring it to like the you know the, the local level. And uh, I would say early on uh, in in the the building process. It was really kind of focused on this grassroots community that was kind of already involved in the sport. So it's like you have guys and girls that are competing uh, on this TV show from all over the country uh, and trying to find ways to like improve and get you know better. And they would kind of seek out different you know high level obstacles. So like a lot of the initial uh, you know business model was kind of centered around that and uh, providing like the training and the resources for for uh, for for those athletes. So. What I would kind of compare it to is like if it was, you know, a weightlifting gym back in the day, but it was like only catered to the power lifters or to like, you know, the strong men that were doing all these like really heavy lifts and only doing the 100 pound dumbbells and all this crazy stuff. But then I, I feel like it was through my experience at, at Rowan and learning to innovate and learning how to. Uh, essentially, take that and introduce it to you know a more uh, wider audience base. The business model started to adapt and be more about like okay, well, like this is a really cool experience, but not everybody can do the crazy stuff that you're seeing on the show. So it's like, well, how do you take you know the hundred pound dumbbells and turn it into a ten pound dumbbell or a five pound or something that like anybody can start at and build up to? And that's really where the the business model for for the gyms evolved, and that's really where the the league stuff came in and trying to figure out how do you take this and make it accessible to, to a lot more people.
0: Is there another project that you're working <laughs> on related to this or a, a personal challenge that you're that you're looking to tackle?
2: Related to, to, to Ninja? Or? Ninja or just outside of the Ninja world? Yeah, oh. what's,
1: Chris, what's Chris like outside a Ninja world?
2: No, that's... Like, what do
1: you do on a regular day? <laughs> like on yeah, Sunday? Yeah. I don't know, maybe a Ninja on Sunday. Like I, I like the
2: couch on Sundays. <laughs> I don't know if you do this thing called like sleeping. I do enjoy sleeping, uh, and I do enjoy the uh, the couch. Um, uh, I, I would say my, my my time is really divided between uh, work and family. So it's uh, I have a daughter at home who's uh, two years old. My wife is uh, pregnant. Really, when I'm when I'm not working or you know focusing on work, it's you know spending time with my family, hanging out, beach trips, vacations. Um, most going important question, lessons.
1: what beach? I was going <laughs> to ask that
2: now. Uh, so I go to uh, to Brigantine Beach.
1: Okay. All okay. Right. That's, a
2: very, oh, that's, that's, that's one not many people yeah, say. No, it's we, a little nontraditional, yeah.
1: Yeah, we asked our whole alumni board, like, which beach do you, go, do you go to? And almost so many different answers. So I'm always intrigued by where people where people go to the beach. We but.
2: really like Brigantine. We feel like it's a, a little bit lesser known. Um, there's not as big of crowds, and there's yeah. a lot of sand, a lot of space to spread out. Um, and we personally really like it. A, we think it's a great beach, um, but hopefully not too many people adapt it. Well, after Yeah, this, don't we'll, tell anybody. Yeah, we'll keep it, keep It's gonna, it's gonna have a rise we'll of in popularity. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, wait a minute, what, what's that <laughs>
1: You're beach? gonna have to start going somewhere
2: else. Yeah, could we actually cut that out? Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> now, your two-year-old, do you like show her the ninja stuff? Do you, like, what does that look like for somebody so yeah. so nuggety? I always call little ones nuggets. So are you, are you hopeful that she'll get an interest or are you hopeful that maybe she doesn't? <laughs>
2: like, <laughs> so so I feel like my my role as as a father is to really foster and grow whatever she's most interested in. Um, and I, I don't want to be the, the type of parent that pushes them into one thing or the other. So I, I have not pushed any any ninja stuff. Um, and uh, I've really tried to just kind of like give her a wide range of things that she could be interested in. Um, and just trying to like watch her and see how she reacts and figure out like, okay, like what is she most interested in? And um, for for her, it seems like swimming. she's she's an incredible swimmer at two years old and is in like the advanced class for for her yeah. her age and like just absolutely loves the water. Um, so so it's really been pushing that. But in in terms of ninja, she's been to a few events and like she likes to like, you know, jump on the mats and she'll like watch the the competitions and be like, Ooh, ninja! Ooh, ninja fall, <laughs> splash, kaboom! Yeah. But like, I oh, I
1: love it. She's got a little sound effects. Yeah, yeah. She, she
2: has her own commentary. Maybe, maybe she'll be, end up on the radio someday. Perfect.
1: bring
0: her <laughs> Yeah,
2: yeah. But but no, it's uh, it, it's really just been about like trying to you know, uh, grow and cultivate whatever she's most interested in. So yeah, has she seen you on
1: TV? Does she get no, that? No, she, okay.
2: she hasn't. It's one of those things that I probably, you know, won't ever like force her to like sit down and like watch because it's just I don't know, like that's just not necessarily yeah. my style. Uh, but if one day she asks about it, like then yeah, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll show her. But um, but no, I'm not. I'm not gonna try to push it on her.
0: I feel like we're friends now, so like I feel like is there a special like ninja sign you guys give each other so that we can,
1: like, <laughs> we can steal, pretend we're ninjas pretend like we're
0: ninja somewhere? Are you? Uh, uh, is that, like we're not that cool yet? <laughs> okay, okay <laughs> all right. Yeah, well, you work.
1: make you develop that. I mean, you're working on a lot of cool things. You just add like a secret <laughs> handshake in there too. Exactly. I
0: think. We'll get that. We'll get that. Well, how can people find if somebody wants to get involved with the ninja community and, and, and you specifically?
2: I'm part of uh, the World Ninja League uh, and our website. It's WorldNinjaLeague.org uh, and uh, you know on the site you can find competitions, you can find a list of facilities that have uh, you know training for ninja specifically. Um, there's resources on how to get started and uh, really pr- a good starting point for like assessing is like you know is, is ninja something that you want to do.
1: We're so happy to have you here. We're glad that you're back on campus.
2: Me too. It's been uh, been really awesome being back on campus. We're it's gonna
1: get a, you here more. Yeah. We're gonna also set maybe up a ninja obstacle course on Bun Screen. How fun of an alumni event would that be, right? Absolutely. We'd have to get legal involved, sign a lot of waivers. Oh, I'm sure <laughs>
0: I'm <laughs> sure there's well, you know better than anybody, but I'm sure there's <laughs> yeah. a ton of waivers we'd have to get signed. Here. Yeah, yeah but
1: that yeah. would be really cool. So yeah. maybe we
0: Because we do we did yoga for we did yoga one year. Yeah, on a little bus.
1: less chance of maybe injuring yourself. Yeah, yeah, but you could
0: still pop a hammy or something. You <laughs> yeah, know yeah, what I mean?
1: for sure, for sure. But the Definitely, I, I envision, I can see it now, like a really cool
0: Right after graduation, because the grass is pretty much all torn up from everybody being on there. You could just there you go. line up all of your little, uh, your stuff. Your little stuff.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Your play. couches, your as I to them earlier. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be watching from a bench. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Well, Chris, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thanks so much. Oh, what a real pleasure to talk to to Chris today. Definitely one of the most humble People I think I've talked yeah. to, especially with all that he's accomplished.
0: Real chill cat.
1: Yeah. Like um, I kind of expected him to come in like parkour bouncing off the walls and he was yeah. just such a calming well, person. that's because I did. <laughs> yes, so exactly. So you, you
0: assume the same thing.
1: For sure. He came in the studio really calm, really relaxed, had a great interview with him. And I think the, the thing that really stood out to me was how, how humble he is about, you know, his time here at Rowan and, and what it's led to and how he's just kind of normal guy
0: but imagine the mindset like we talked about it during the show but imagine the mindset that you have to have like when you're in that moment of an american ninja warrior no like it's crazy
1: no i know i I, that was something cool i think that we touched on too was about really what it takes to jump into that mentally because obviously there's a lot of physical prep but that mental prep i think is important too and i think that's like really common in all kinds of things just thinking about thinking through the mental thing the toll it might take so, I, str-
0: I stress out when I'm at self-checkout and I don't know the UPC code or something you know that, for I, a piece of fruit. That's so and funny way you say that.
1: You know what I mean? I stress out not at self-checkout, but when the person is checking out my groceries. Yeah. And they're doing it too fast, faster than I can bag. And I'm like,
0: slow down. (laughs) (laughs) And this guy, he's jumping all over the place.
1: I know. He was really, really fun to talk to today. Uh, So we hope that you enjoyed it just as much as as we did and that you get a chance to follow along with Chris's journey because it seems like although he's already accomplished a lot, that there's a lot lot ahead for him as far as laying the groundwork for what this looks like.
0: Yeah, definite growth ahead. So thanks, Chris. And we look forward to catching up with you on another edition of Beyond the Brown and Gold. You've been listening to Beyond the Brown and Gold on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. You can find more episodes on your favorite podcasting platforms by searching for Beyond the Brown and Gold or Rowan Radio On Demand.